You're listening to The Skeptic's Guide to the Universe, your escape to reality. Hello and welcome to The Skeptic's Guide to the Universe. Today is Saturday, December 17th, 2016, and this is your host, Stephen Novella. Joining me this week are Bob Novella. Hey, everybody. Kara Santamaria. Howdy. Jay Novella. Hey, guys. And Evan Bernstein. Good afternoon, everyone. This is our year in review show that we're doing. Uh, So we're going to take a look back at 2016 in science, in skepticism, in the SGU, everything good, everything bad. And then hopefully, if we get everything working, you'll be able to join us in the Facebook uh, comments and we'll take your live comments to participate in the discussion. So we're going to start, as we usually do with our uh, year-end wrap-up shows, with this year in science, 2016 in science. So guys, what were the big science news stories that stick out? There's, there's only one. There's, there's, there's only one. And, and I'll, this is my quote from when I mentioned this earlier this year, February. I said, this news is just stupendous. We are witnessing an immense milestone in astronomy that is certain to be the science news of the year, which it was. I was right. Um, if not the decade, and is almost a complete no-brainer for a Nobel Prize. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's a gravitational the gravitational wave discovery, yeah. yep. which was just... And actually, the detection was at the end of 2015, but it wasn't announced until February of the following year, earlier this year. And it was just... A, it was incredible. It's the birth of a new... A new type of astronomy, gravitational right. wave astronomy. A new field. Um, and with it, we'll be able to, it's opening up a, a whole new window that, that no other, no other field of astronomy can provide for us. And also, the other cool thing is, and that really wasn't talked about that much, is that it was also probably one of the most direct confirmations of, of a black hole yeah. ever. Even all the solid evidence we had for a black hole, this was probably the most direct because the discovery of the gravitational waves was two black holes that, yeah. that had collided. Right, right. seemed like it was so, about as good an example as we could have possibly hoped oh for. My God. And of course it made, there was that very, that distinctive chirp that you've, you've probably seen online of the, the squiggly line of the actual mm-hmm. chirp. That was predicted, which was this I- iconic image of the, of the, of the black holes kind of in their death throes kind of merging. And then beyond that, there was also something called the ring down, which was another distinctive um, element of the gravitational waves that that was theorized to happen as the new black hole kind of assumes it, its new spherical shape. It had this distinctive ring down kind of yeah. uh, pattern of uh, gravitational waves that was also detected. I mean, it's just like I, exactly what you would expect. And this is... The follow-up to a, a false alarm. Oh my God! Previously, yeah. where they thought they the detected gravity rays, yeah. gravity waves, and that they didn't. It's gravity waves, right? Not gravi- gravitational. It's gravitational waves. waves. Yeah. Gravitational yeah. waves. But a gravitational wave is a type of gravity wave. So yeah. I mean, sort of. Bob, maybe you can tell me if I'm wrong, but from what I understand, a gravity wave is basically a fluid dynamics term. So it's anything, whether it's water or air, any time that you see a ripple through a fluid. So if you drop a a rock into a pond and it makes those ripples that's a gravity wave so a type of gravitational wave gravitational wave is very specifically what we're talking about black right. holes colliding sending a ripple in kind of space time that we can then measure from these detectors that are far apart but i do think maybe you could say a gravitational wave is a type of gravity wave I'm but not, not the sure. other way around i'm not sure I don't know. I don't, i'm not sure if you can but especially in this context do not call this a gravity wave because you will be called out on it <laughs> One more technical term to keep straight, (laughs) my God. You know what? You say that, but I just interviewed, I just did an interview in Austin with Brian Green, Michio Kaku, and Jim Gates. Three, like, preeminent string theorists. 
Yeah, and they were calling me Gravity Wave. <laughs> really? Yeah, it's just lazy. Intermittently. That really yeah. always reminds me, like, whenever we get to the jargony discussion of gravity yeah. versus gravitational, uh, we did a, a bit, this is like 10 years ago, on hieroglyphs, right? Egyptian hieroglyphs. Yes. And we got an email from somebody like, oh, uh, excuse me, I'm an expert, and this is called hieroglyphic writing, <laughs> not hieroglyphs. <laughs> and then I'm like, okay, that, thanks for the clarification. And like two, three weeks later, the guy's like, um, I was at an international conference and the world expert in hieroglyphic writing used the term hieroglyphs throughout his lecture. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> there you go. so my, my point at the time was, does it matter? Does, at least with gravitational waves and gravity waves, they're two different things. But with hieroglyphic writing and hieroglyphs, they're the same thing. Yeah. It's, it's just <laughs> one is a little bit shorter and easier to say, but there's yeah. no understanding or technical difference that, that you're yeah, how about illuminating. Neanderthal and Neanderthal. Like, That's a pronunciation. Yeah, but thing. make up your freaking mind. Yeah. <laughs> Right? Or orangutan and orangutan. Yeah. <laughs> no, that, or, that's tang. different. That's, yeah. that's <laughs> Or spaghetti and pischetti. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, people will give you dirty looks if you say orangutan. That's just, that's Why? Just, that's what I say. <laughs> and I All those dirty you just don't see my dirty looks. What, Kara? Yeah. It is an orangutan. It is wrong. But if you Google orangutan, it's starting to become an acceptable dictionary there definition. Mm-hmm. Because so many people for use language right. is fluid. It's yep. fluid. All right, right. And, it's some, and, yes. and at some point you have to. That's a judgment call to a certain extent. But at some point you just got to say, "All right, I, you know, I accept it." And that, there are in the past that has happened where I'm like, I had to just give in and say, "All right." But for the layman, will, I will now you know, accept this because so many because it's in dictionaries. Once they start throwing it into dictionaries, like Peter's like, "All right." People are talking about science or saying gravity waves instead of gravitational waves like I'm just happy they're talking about it yeah yeah you know if we come off and be like oh you shouldn't you know I'm that's sorry, not, yeah that's that's being pedantic yes. right Jay? that's <laughs> the thing that it's probably not <laughs> worth focusing on but if there's a lesson in there like there are a conceptual difference then it's worth it all right let's move on to oh, another before we do that I'll just want to say if those guys are saying gravity waves then it's like all right I mean come on game what, over what else? Yes. game over okay right? that's fine <laughs> all right Kara why don't you go next Except do you have do you have a choice for your favorite science news item of 2016? Well, my favorite science news item was gravitational waves. Well, you gotta have a runner-up. <laughs> Something else. That wasn't mine. I don't know. I don't know. It was so yeah. big. It dominated everything. You know what? I do have a couple of best of the years. Yeah. And so maybe I can pick one of those for my favorite science news item. But please understand that this is not even close to a runner-up. It's maybe what I thought was the most fun science mm-hmm. news That's item fine. because my favorite science news item was gravitational waves. So I'm gonna say that. Be. My second favorite, only because it's so near and dear to my heart, was how much we learned this year about moss piglets. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, I know moss that piglets was pretty are cool, awesome. right? Yeah, I didn't know that yeah. they had to be desiccated in order to to survive outer space, which yeah. was cool. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that moss piglets was another term for them, which was tardigrade. Tardigrade, tardigrade. tardigrade. yeah, the tardigrade moss piglet. Water, water, water bears, bears, the common. Water bear. Yes, yeah. I just did say pedantic. It's an inside joke. Sorry. Yeah, right. So. Oh, yes, yeah, we know it's pedantic. pedantic. <laughs> yes. Somebody called you on that? Yeah. Of course. Come on. I'm surprised it took that long. All right, I, have, I have a couple that, that aren't gravity waves. I mean, yes, I, I understand from waves. a science perspective that gravity waves are huge. Gravitational waves. Gravitational waves. Oh, wait, waves. Never mind. Same uh, sorry, Bob. Um, but isn't this the year huge. that we really found out that CRISPR was going to completely kick ass? I know that I know that it's been around for quite a while, but this was the year that it was CRISPR, opened up to all the labs. CRISPR-Cas9 has had amazing years for the past handful of years, right? Um, it's a, but I think I agree. It's worth a mention that it continued to be even more awesome and game-changing this year. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it, yeah, CRISPR, it's, which is a way of very cheaply and quickly 
doing genetic engineering. It's the kind of thing where like suddenly any lab who wants to can edit DNA. Edit DNA, I know. And they actually are discovering even more nuances about it, like how to turn things on and off and yeah. it's it's yeah. getting scary powerful. I think I think CRISPR Cas9. Is that is that the, the proper way to refer to it? It's not well, that's, just CRISPR. that's a type of CRISPR. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. You can just say CRISPR. But okay. just say just CRISPR is fine. Okay. I think CRISPR is going to be we're going to be we're going to be talking about this at the end of our, at the end of your show, every year for a while, yeah. it's this is going to be until it makes yeah. us immortal. Right? We we think it's impressive <laughs> now. We're going to be like in five years. We're going to be like holy crap. Yeah. I was thinking about it this year. Like there was another news out about how much more powerful they refined it, and made it even better this year. You know, Bob, you're you're fond of talking about the singularity, right? The idea that scientific progress is going to become so fast that our heads are going to spin. And I'm, I was really thinking, yeah, CRISPR, if anything, is meeting that standard where it's it's progressing so quickly, it's such a rapid game changer, and it's continuing to change so right. quickly that our heads are spinning. Like that's like it's, it's like really happening. The advance of technological progress, at least in you know certain areas, yeah. is dizzying. Is right. dizzying. I mean, they've made yeah. they, in the kind of advances they've made in CRISPR in the last five years. Is like 50 years of progress in biology of anything yeah. before that. I mean, it's incredible. I mean, look, it's been around a long time, but this was the, you know, the past few years is when it's really started to take off. But the fact that they opened it up to all the labs, like, you know, open source, anybody can use it. Mm-hmm. Well, they're to... fighting over the patents, but what? they're fighting over who's going to make money off of it. That's still in yeah. the courts mm-hmm. right now, but it doesn't matter. You, you know, it, it's affordable for, for pretty much any right. lab that wants to use it. All right. I'll, I'll name one and then we'll, and we'll keep going. So I think, the possible discovery of another planet oh, yep, always keeps me on the list. Yep. Planet Nine. It's not confirmed yet. I lost interest after the first thousand, but go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, in the, in our own solar system. Yeah, Bob. Oh yeah, this is in our exoplanet, not exoplanet, a planet. Even planet. the Proxima B story. So, would you call too. this a rogue planet? A rogue? No, it's not a rogue planet. No? Okay. Rogue planets are planets that, that are not. Tied to a star. Tied to a star, yeah, they're not gravitational. Is, is this like the one that is super far out, or yeah. is it on oh, the other yeah. side of the sun? And yeah. we'll never oh, see it. No, there. it's just really far out. It's Very. out in the Kuiper Belt. It's big, it's, it's distant, and it explains a lot of the gravitational anomalies that we've been detecting in smaller objects. Yeah. We haven't seen it Pinpointed yet. Pinpointed it, right? So that we're, we're still looking for it. So either, either it's we'll there or it, it isn't. You know, it, if, it, there. if it is, there's something there. But it'd be nice if they find it. But yeah, does not again. How many more times are they going to discover planets in our own solar system? This may be the last one in our lives. I mean, you never know, right? Yeah, yeah. Until or we build, until we build one, one, it's many. probably the last one. <laughs> yeah, that was big. That's a top five, I would say. What about planets outside the system, Proxima B. Yeah, located B. just four point two five light years from our solar system, Proxima Centauri, a red dwarf star, often considered to be part of a trinary star system with Alpha Centauri A and B. And for some time, astronomers at the ESO have been observing Proxima Centauri primary with telescopes from the uh, La Silla Observatory in Chile. And Proxima B is a rocky planet, rocky exoplanet. Um, yeah, is this your around Proxima. News item from one of them. Is, yeah. I, had, I had a few listed. Yeah. Yep, that was definitely one. Now, um, were they saying for uh, this planet out there in uh, Alpha Centauri? Is, aren't they saying that there are certain simulations showing that if there was, it could have an atmosphere and even potentially even liquid water in certain scenarios if they if it holds true. That imagine that. Yeah. Not only is there an exoplanet that close, that close, but imagine an atmosphere and and more than and that, it, it could it establishes that it's possible. That the red dwarfs in our galaxy may be a place for yeah. planets that have life, which opens up the numbers considerably because there's more red dwarfs out there than any other kind of star by a lot, and so it, yes. it could have a potential a huge, huge impact on the potential number of, of life-bearing life-bearing planets. 
All right, so I got to I got to pop another news item here, guys. I loved Elon Musk. Um, oh yeah. Talking about the solar roofs and his trifecta, right? So you have his home battery, the you know the 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 thing that they have to install. You have power the, wall. The power wall. Thank you. That's what I was looking for. You, you have <laughs> the solar roofs themselves, and they look beautiful. I mean, if you, if you haven't seen them, take a look online. They they look great. And uh, the electric car, and, and with the three of those things looming, you know, we're going to absolutely have the cars, and we're definitely going to have the solar roofs. The battery technology, of course, is the problem. Like right now, we said the battery will last about a day, um, and they're they're not cheap. But maybe when you know, if a lot of people purchase them, the prices will come down, and maybe you can get more than one and have at least two or three days of of, of energy in the house. And of course, the battery technology. What did we say? It increases by four percent every year on average. Not, I don't even think it's that much. Yeah. Did we say that? Yeah, I think we did. I think uh, that, when no, we no. talked about this news item, yeah. that that's on average what what the increase is. Average? So you know, in a short it's amount of time, we're going to see some some good increases. But bottom line is. We're going to be collecting our, our own energy, and we're going to be powering our own vehicles within the next decade. Yeah, I think that um, I would say also, I mean, isn't this the year they landed, uh, SpaceX landed a rocket on a barge? Yes, they did. Yeah, yeah that mm-hmm. was pretty cool, too. And I do think, um, like, I try to think, what are the technologies that I think turned a corner this year? And I think self-driving cars, you know, ironically mm-hmm. turned a corner. Wait, Arthur, were there a couple of... Uh, there's one city that's releasing some Ubers that are self-driving. Yeah, like, yeah. That's yeah. Although that's, I think that's still in. The, I think I also read that they're then taking it back. So oh. I think it's still in the works. But and the UK had a has a self-driving tractor trailer trucks. Yeah. I think. But now. clearly they work now. Yeah. They work. They're yeah, good yeah. enough for prime time. They're being released into the wild. Yeah. It's happening. You know, maybe it's not full rollout this year, but we, this year we're like, yeah, now it's real. <laughs> now real. it's not just a Google project. It's this is happening. definitely Im- yes. Imagine in five years from now what the State of self-driving cars is going to be. Yeah, we. I mean, it, no, it's, oh, it'll, be oh, done. It's, it'll be done. It's all right. Another technology. Destined. What do you think, Bob? So we got for technologies that have turned the corner. We can now land rockets on barges. Okay. Self-driving cars, CRISPR. You know, I think that a lot of this, the solar energy re- is really getting close yeah. to to breaking out. What's another one? I have um, on my list. Teledildonics. No, I'm not, that's not ready here. <laughs> oh, the sexual. We did talk about. We, we did talk about Kara's sexual robots, right? <laughs> <laughs> sexual robots. <laughs> sexual robots. I don't think this was the year that sex robots had a big breakout, but I would say, I would say artificial intelligence, AlphaGo, remember AlphaGo? Yeah. yeah. And not not the self-aware, conscious, you know, how. Yeah. No, but that was a milestone with it, with it beating the oh, sure. uh, yeah. the, the Go yeah, champion. I mean, yeah. As yeah. as complex as chess is, and as everyone knows, chess is Alpha, uh, Go was actually much more. much much more complex. Complex and the yeah. fact that they were able to make such strides uh, with that uber complex game was big. Was big, yeah. I mean, uh, I don't know if you'd say. It ter- I guess you could say. No, it I think in terms of like expert systems and also evaluating non-structured data, right? I think that there are the power of our AI systems to handle data. Is, I think. It had a significant enough increase this year that it's worth a mention. Okay. Right? Just as a big science story this year, the Zika virus. I yeah. mean, that yeah. came out of nowhere. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah. And suddenly, that's a huge, you know, they had a huge outbreak. Um, it has, and, you know, initially they were, there was some tenuous connection to birth defects, specifically microcephaly. And that's been pretty much proven now over the course of the year. That, yeah. yeah. Uh, like half half of pregnant women who are infected with Zika have some kind of birth defect. So it is a huge uh, yeah. risk. 
Yeah, yeah this one was a little a little scary. It, it, it initially broke out, and you and it was becoming a big thing, and you didn't you still didn't know much about it. it. It's only happened a couple of times in the past, like when Star when SARS came out years ago. I remember thinking, oh boy, is this is this the pandemic? Yeah, is this, is this what's going to take us down, cause a zombie apocalypse, or whatever? It was it was a little scary. Like, oh damn, how bad is this one going to get? Because it you know yeah. if we ever do have a pandemic, it's going to kind of start just like that. Well, you they're know? working hard yeah. on trying to fix this yeah. one. You know, they got there, a lot there won't of be any anything. Weirder than just people dying horrible deaths. I mean, it's not going to be like a zombie. No, no, no zombie. No, but but in terms of a pandemic that takes out millions of people. people, Yeah, I mean, fast things can spread. Well, the only last thing I had was uh, Juno. Juno, that's right. Yeah, Juno. Juno, Jupiter. Sure. No small feat, and uh, the data collection is going to be pretty huge. What about the worst pseudoscience or worst junk science of 2016? Worst junk science of 2000. Okay, so I'll give you an example. Yeah, so NASA getting accused of uh, screwing with the astrological signs. <laughs> yeah, that was ridiculous. Yeah. They didn't screw with them. They just n- made a note about how inaccurate. No, they, they did are. nothing. It, NASA did nothing. It was just totally fabricated, and just that's a story that just crops up every now and then. The idea that be, that you know, because the astrological signs are first of all they're based on the position of the stars. 2,000 years ago, and yeah. they move over time. Plus, there's lots of constellations kind of near the ecliptic, yeah, right. and they just sort of chose 12 of them, but there's Ophiuchus, which really should be Ophiuchus. pronounced Ophiuchus. I think so. Uh, I agree. If I had my way, if I were the... Yeah, it's, the yeah. Uh, yeah there's, there's a bit of a judgment call to it, and you, you think, oh, this is an objective thing. Here, here, here are the, you know, here's the zodiac. Like, no, it's not, a, not as objective as you think, and it, yeah. and it changes over time. The Vaxxed documentary. That made my list. Yep. Sure did. So Andrew Wakefield and others made a, a, a fake documentary uh, all about the the CDC whistleblower basically was the focus of that, which was a completely overblown story. We've covered it in great detail on uh, science-based medicine, and ORAC has covered it in excruciating detail on um, respectful insolence. And it's essentially a non-story. It's a, it's a scientist who had some complaints about the way a trial was done, and then, you know, Andrew Wakefield got a hold of it, hold of it, and blew it up into, see, this is it. The CDC is blown apart. It, it shows that they are hiding that, that, uh, uh, vaccines are linked to autism. And in the data they're talking about, it's again, we talked about this on the show, right? If you do enough subgroup analyses, you can find noise in the data. Mm-hmm. And apparently, there was a little bit of a signal if you peeled out only uh, African-American males of a certain age group, then there was a little signal. And then what the CDC researchers did was they corrected for multiple comparisons, which is what you're supposed to do. And, of course, the signal went away because it was noise, right? Mm-hmm. So then yep. they parlayed that. And see, they're hiding the data that there's a connection. It's bullshit. It's just pseudoscience. Not only that, but it's it's interesting because they're in a way they're admitting that the overall conspiracy is bullshit because if that claim is true by the same data, there isn't a connection in every other demographic, right? right? So we go from vaccines causing an autism epidemic to only in, you know, black boys who are 9 to 11 or some, you know, some small sliver of a demographic, which actually contradicts their core story. Right. But again, you know, when you're in the business of science denial, you don't have to have a coherent story. You're just, you just keep throwing shit up against the wall yeah. and, and hoping that yeah. you're going to generate fear and, and Emotional components. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. That's, it. that's what you live on. What else? How about uh, Michigan House of Representatives uh, looking to license naturopaths as well as Massachusetts Senate? 
which did <laughs> vote to license naturopaths. Yeah, unfortunately, that's a story every single year. Yeah. There's a constant battle for licensing naturopaths. It's coming. Well, it's happening. It's yeah, slowly, right. it's slowly it ratcheting it's further forward. And we, you know, we keep fighting back and fighting back, and we could win a hundred times, but you lose once and it ratchets forward. So that's unfortunate situation. What I know it's not really pseudoscience. It's not even bad science per se, but it's a big mistake in science that I think could have implications for years to come. And that was the big study about the bug in the fMRI software that mm-hmm. could be invalidating thousands mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. imaging studies that we've read about. That was a big news item this year. Yeah, no, absolutely. Disconcerting. And that could be really problematic for years to come because a lot of times in science, we base what we know off of previous studies. And then, of course, that that body of knowledge builds and builds the more times that things are um, replicated. Mm -hmm. But if everybody was using the same software when they were replicating these studies, we might have multiple invalid replication studies as well. So, yeah, we have to see how that plays out. They're still sort of investigating uh, the implications. There was a a bug in the software that if you used it a certain way, you could sort of eke out a signal from data that was otherwise negative, which is kind of was my a lot of people's baseline assumption about fMRI anyway, that it's very easy to use it in such a way that you can, there's a lot of, a lot of noise, (laughs) and if you're willing to accept a very slim signal-to-noise ratio, you could make it get a signal out of almost anything. And that led to, of course, the dead salmon study, the dead fish, where they, yeah. they um, this is about five or five years ago now, something like that, where they were able to show brain activity in a dead salmon uh, by doing, you know, by eking out a, a little sliver of, no- of signal in just basically background noise, just as a demonstration of how tricky this technology is. Mm-hmm. You know, my, my baseline assumption is that about half or more fMRI studies that I see are bullshit. Unless I see rock-solid methodology, good signal-to-noise ratio, good replication, I don't even think it's worth attention. You know? No, and then you partner that with how small the sample sizes are in most of these studies. Yeah, right. There's so you much see, anomaly You see there. these beautiful pictures, you don't realize that's a summation of multiple individuals. You know, mm-hmm. like you're, you're, sum, you're summating each person, and then you're summating the six or eight or ten people they had in the study and to pull that little signal out. And then they color code it so it looks like, oh, this part of the brain's lighting up. Yeah, that's not what's actually happening in any one brain at any one time. That's total, it's fat fabrication. Yeah. yeah, six or eight or ten people. Like, the most people I think I've ever seen in an fMRI study is around 2025. That's hard. an incredibly expensive yeah. study to undertake. It's much more common that a full study is like ten people which right. is a crazy low N. I have just some more votes on the list here. So quote from Jill Stein, we should not be subjecting kids' brains to that, meaning Wi-Fi. We make guinea pigs out of the whole population, and then we discover how many die. She's talking about Wi-Fi. Well, you know, Wi-Fi asked about poisoning, his, right? But yeah. Wi-Fi has been around now for... Uh, 15, 20? I, I can't even remember Probably now. upwards of 30 I mean, years. If it was <laughs> doing anything bad, it would have shown up by now. Mm-hmm. It would have been measurable. Yeah. And, yeah, you know, but th- th- you're right. But of course, the people say, yeah, but there's so much of this and that. The Alcimer's is going up and people right. are, yeah, but that's because people are, are there these dying cases the where time. students in these schools, they're having all these uh, physical reactions and things. What else could it be other than the one? Yeah. yeah. Well, there's that, there's, that. there's the fake outbreaks. There's fake the outbreaks, essentially right, psychological yeah. outbreaks. Yeah, yeah. Uh, mass, but then there's also just panic. blaming whatever, just the background noise of life, you know, for pick your boogeyman, right? Wi-Fi or vaccines. No, then, or mom and dad to- taught me toxins. not to pick my boogie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Good one. And you, but you haven't learned that lesson yet. But we'll keep <laughs> only in the car. You could pick your nose when you're in the car. That's that's, that's, that's the, the rule. rule. Yeah. When you think no one's looking at you. <laughs> that's okay. A rule. Um, all right. So Johnson and Johnson uh, was uh, fined seventy point one million dollars. A jury award against them for oh, the talcum powder allegedly cancer. causing oh, yeah. ovarian cancer. On very very uh, weak evidence, I would say that that's. The science behind that, not that you can rule it out, but it was like that was a very yeah. slender evidence for such, such a big award. Yeah. But all right, guys, cupping at the Olympics. Oh yes, uh, cupping. At the, I was saving that for kind of a jackass of the year kind yeah. of thing. Okay. But yeah, that's definitely. Yeah, a, yeah. I had that saved for later too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And oh, we'll, we'll, we can come back to it. And then uh, the U.S. spent 1.4 billion dollars on abstinence education in Africa. billion on something which demonstrably does not work. Basically flushed $1.4 billion down a toilet. How does anybody convince the person that decides yes or no to that question? What do you have to say to convince them that we need to spend $1.4 billion? So $1,400 million. On what evidence did they base it? Show me the studies. Ideology. Right, of course. But you got to be able to tie it to something. what do with that money? So we're going to do best and worst of 2016. Uh, we have some votes from our listeners. We'll take your votes live, of course. We wouldn't do as Let's much clarify, interaction best as possible. And worst what? Of everything. Of 2016. Oh, okay. So. Science or, or we, already, we, already, we already did our favorite science, but we'll talk about, like, best SGU quotes, best SGU moments. Let's start with I that. I want to know what the listeners say. I'll, I'll throw out one. Yeah. Uh, this is a recent moment that just was organic and I thoroughly enjoyed. It was the whole. I thought you were going to say orgasmic, but. <laughs> the techno babble stuff I thought was yeah, hilarious. That kind of vote. That kind of vote. <laughs> right? Okay. <laughs> fantastic. I mean, cause I, I threw some techno babble for once in my, uh, superheroes of science and, uh, one or two people identified it. We talked about the interbo encabulator. And then the best part, Steve, Evan, and Kara came up with their own little techno babble little pieces and it was hilarious and very well done. It was yeah. just so much fun. That was a fun bit. It was yeah. a fun bit. And, and we got like fans who wrote in and gave us their own their techno own babble, which That's was really cool. That's the beautiful thing about it. You take your specialty, whatever your job is, whatever you yeah. know well, you can techno babble the hell out of that thing. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I had a fun mo, I had a favorite moment yep. this year or one of them. Mm-hmm. When we were doing our live show, I think we were maybe at Nexus and, um, I got to do my what's the word that week was the names of different groups of animals. Yeah. Oh, it was yeah. so much yeah. fun that to research fun. and so much fun to share. Yeah. Some of those words are just so, you know, quirky and interesting. Yeah. 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 This is kind of behind the scenes fun. Um, I had the most fun recording our Star Trek and Harry Potter promos. Was so much. We were just laughing our asses off the the entire time. It was so much fun, and we got such a wonderful response. I, uh, and we're going to do a lot more pr- uh, promotions like that. That was just yeah, hilarious. Yeah, yeah. So some people might not know, but we decided <clears throat> instead of just saying on the show, "Hey, would you like to become an FGU member and talk about it?" We thought we would anytime we would ask or talk about a promo or becoming a member, rather, um, we would make something fun out of it. So we came up with a huge list of all these different things that we could do, and one of them was um, we did a. You know, we put ourselves on the bridge of the Enterprise, and Steve yeah. was like Captain Kirk, and we were all crew members on there. The second one we did was a Harry Potter promo where Steve was Snape teaching us in the, uh, you know, the uh, potions class, but yeah. we turned it into its, you know, skepticism and science class. Should we reveal any of our new ideas, or you wanted to no. say that? No, no, no. I don't no, well, so. our ideas we should keep secret until we reveal them, but if you guys have any ideas, if there's any uh, promos you'd like us to do, uh, give, us, give us your suggestions. We have a lot to work through already, though. And somebody did vote for the highest concentration of bad English accents in the Harry Potter 
advert. Funny but painful. <laughs> I thought mine was pretty damn yeah. good, by the way. Yours was the only genuine one. Some more votes from our listeners uh, in terms of favorite SGU moments. The Technobabble got a vote that we talked about before. The race discussion in episode 577, which is... Uh, that was a good one because it was a very, um, yeah. I think, difficult topic that I thought we handled, yeah. handled yeah. pretty well. We got a lot of good feedback about that. Uh, we had a long email uh, basically just saying that they want to vote for Kara as being the MVP for 2016. They really, a lot of people wrote in just to say that they loved your addition to the SGU team. This was the first full year That's right. of Kara on the SGU. Yeah, it was. Last year was a half year. Yeah. So this will be the first time that we get to look at those predictions that because I didn't get to make predictions last year. Yeah, that's right. So we'll have your full year with the team. It was. It's been a blast. Steve, a couple more favorite moments for me. I one of my favorite interviews was was with uh, good friend Michael Whalen. That was an incredible. Even though we had to record it twice because we lost. We had some technical snafu. Yeah, happens every now but and then. It, yeah, that happens like once every what three or four years at this point. But that was a wonderful interview. Michael's such a fantastic guy. And um, the other thing that I really enjoyed was kind of an eye opener. Uh, back back last January, we talked about the um, the viability of conspiracies because somebody looked at conspiracies mathematically, and we talked about you know w- you know what makes it what it did for me was it it was a the perfect way to distinguish a grand conspiracy and a run of the mill conspiracy because yeah. conspiracies clearly happen. There have been conspiracies in the past. It's not you can't say that all conspiracies are baloney because the 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 evidence is there. But for the grand conspiracies to exist, it's basically all about how many people are involved. So if you if you look at the moon hoax or JFK, and you look at the amount of people that would be required to maintain this conspiracy, once you start getting into the hundreds and thousands of people that would that would have to know about it, then the, the viability of that grand conspiracy shrinks down to weeks or even days. And which is right, which is a great argument against these grand conspiracies yeah. because there's just no way it would survive for years or decades, which they would have to, you know, like the moon hoax. I mean, it's, it's just ridiculous. Yeah, because that, that comes up every time we talk about grand conspiracies. Someone says, oh, but conspiracies really happen. Yes. They're real. It's like not grand conspiracies, not the kind of conspiracies that take hundreds, thousands of people, multiple countries, multiple administrations, multiple right. organizations, yeah, like the a- media. Congress. I mean, how big does it get? You talk about like 9-11, for example. It's like, well, wouldn't the media have figured out by now that there's a cover-up? Well, they're in on it. Well, wouldn't the right. Democrats have called out the Republicans? Well, they're all part of the same big world government. I mean, the conspiracy just has to keep getting bigger and bigger right. in order to make it, right. you know, in order to answer all these objections. So the, it gets to the point where... It's everyone it except yeah, the people right. that believe in the yeah. 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 me. like the flat earth cover-up, you know, that, that they fake the fact... The idea that the Earth is round and that everybody, you know, everybody that's ever flown any kind of spacecraft or, you know, you know, an airplane would have to be in on it. Um, chemtrails, like one of the all-time dumbest yeah. things to believe in. Chemtrails actually is a grand conspiracy because it would take hundreds of thousands yeah. of people to yep. keep their mouths shut. Is. And at this point, if it's been going on for, you know, two decades, there's no way that one person wouldn't have come forward and said, I was the guy putting the, the chemicals into the planes. You yeah. know? Or I was mm-hmm. the guy that was on the, you know, the food right. truck and I saw this shit, you know, sketchy stuff going on. Yeah. One of the things you don't, you don't hear very often is that the, uh, for these grand conspiracies, the, uh, the appeal of somebody breaking that news to the world 
is is huge. I mean, that would be a major a major win for that person. Like right. I'm the one that broke this conspiracy. But no, everyone stays in line and nobody breaks the silence. It's there would a, be a Snowden, right? right? I mean, the CIA couldn't keep a secret like that, right? Are we ready to move on to skeptical wins and skeptical heroes? Sure. For 2016? Yes. yes. All right. Who has a, who wants to start? Well, I said it before, the homeopathy uh, takedown by the FTC. That's, that's a big one for me for this, this year. That, that, was, that was huge. It really give, gave you hope that some of these ridiculous pseudosciences and, come on, homeopathy is the, the, that lowest hanging apple finally is getting the, 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 you know, the serious treatment that it needed to get. If, you know, 20 years ago it should have. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But finally they're like, all right, you're not allowed to be safe anymore and you really got to just yeah. get with modern day. So essentially, yeah, the Federal Trade Commission, who's been reviewing their regulation of homeopathy over the last year, decided that pro- homeopathic products, not the practice of homeopathic medicine, but homeopathic products can't make claims that are backed by adequate science. What a shock. What a, imagine right. the idea that they have to have science to back up their therapeutic claims. Right. But of course, decades ago. The, yeah, the, the, the uh, homeopathy can't defend any of their claims because it's water. It's magic water. Uh, yeah, the magic FDA, water. FTC, FTC gets my skeptical hero for the year mm-hmm. for Minus. that. Yep. But also I remember at the beginning of the year, they took on Lumosity and the whole brain oh, training yeah. industry. Luminosity. Yeah, so they started out the year with a good win. They ended it with an even bigger right. win. And the FTC really, they got their shit together. i got to say, they're really doing a great job of enforcing their mandate, which mm-hmm. is protecting the public from fraudulent claims. It's that simple. These are fraudulent claims. If you say that this homeopathic magical potion will be of any benefit to your cold, that's wrong. It's demonstrably wrong. Not only can it not possibly work, we know that it doesn't work. They've had 200 years to show that it works and they, that it works and they can't. 200 years! There have been oh multiple reviews of hundreds of studies. When you look at all the evidence, it's consistent, overwhelmingly, demonstrably consistent with zero effect. Yep. Homeopathy does no better than placebo for anything. And all they have to do is just acknowledge that very clearly scientifically demonstrated reality mm-hmm. and do their job. And they yep. said, yep, okay, we're going to start doing our actual job. Now, the FDA is still reviewing Homeopathy. They haven't yeah, made right. a decision. We're waiting, so we're right. We don't Come know on, if they're, 2017, they can either be our skeptical hero or our skeptical jackass, yes. depending on what they decide. Yeah. We'll see. Uh, of right. course, and I think we might be getting to this a little bit later, the administration change may affect both of these organizations. Right. We, will, we, we may have this victory snatched away from us. We will see. Um, interestingly, <laughs> the, the American Society of Homeopaths or some American organization of homeopaths sent an angry letter to the FTC complaining about their decision mm-hmm. on homeopathy, and it's laughable. It's, it's like, it's, uh, it's ironic in that everything they say is completely wrong. You know, it's like there is evidence for it and there is, you know, it's like, no, sorry. It's complete nonsense from wow. beginning to end. They asked the FTC to apologize to them. Like, no, how about suck it? <laughs> suck it. <laughs> Dr. Stephen Novak. Yeah. <laughs> Homeopaths can suck it. <laughs> yeah, they, they are the pseudoscientists of the millennia. They yeah. really just need to fade away yep. from a fit. They're, they're the gateway drug to a lots of nonsense. Yeah, partly, yeah. I think the FDA did a good job this year because they banned um, active ingredients in antibacterial soap. They put it on the manufacturer, right, they put it on the manufacturers to say, prove to us that it makes a difference, and they couldn't do it. And they said, okay, yeah. you're done. 
They gave them a time, like a year. That's or right. Time, yeah. And they, and yeah, they I, I remember. I remember looking for soap that didn't have that didn't have antimicrobials in it or whatever, mm-hmm. and I couldn't find it. It's Every hard. last one yeah. had it. It's like, no, Bob, I don't. I don't want to artificially accelerate the evolution of the bacteria on my hands. I think I'm about sorry, the I don't trillions, want to... the quadrillions of bacteria that needlessly <clears throat> died with this. Quintillions. Product, right? Quintillions. 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 So let's not get, you're getting silly. Now. I have a I have a two sided <laughs> coin here, uh, or whatever, however to put okay, this. Then. But this is like the can't point the finger at any individual person other than uh, Zuckerberg. But oh. this is the year that we realized that Facebook news yeah. was bullshit, and this was the year <laughs> that we all like to like to or hate to like to say that truth died in part because of because of what was going on in social media and, and particularly Facebook. I well, think I think the uh yeah. I don't know who to this point still... the exact finger at because you can't even say Zuckerberg like I, I doubt he specifically chose it. It's just the algorithms that run social media tend to keep us in a uh you know in a bubble of only Well they're based on popularity essentially by mm-hmm. you know if it's popular it's it spread it spreads more but it needs to be a little bit more nuanced and it is yeah. more nuanced than that but did you guys hear we this is an item we haven't talked about yet on the show you know, we, we could talk about it now since you bring sure. it up. And oh, that is Zuckerberg's yeah. decision to change Facebook's algorithm. He did. He did. And mm-hmm. essentially what Facebook is going to do now is use third-party organizations like Snopes, Snopes and PolitiFact and FactCheck and yeah. I think they said ABC News yeah, yeah, to, so. to check the factualness of news items. The truthiness. The truthiness and label fake news as fake and to demote it in their feed. Right. So, which I think is a fantastic idea. I yeah. hope it works. It's, it's risky. I, I right? hope it it's works. I'm not convinced it's going to work yet. We really have to see well, it play I, I, out. But it's, I think what they're doing is a nice good. idea. It is. A, I think it's a great idea, and I think the way they're handling it, from what I, from what I know, I think is is a, is a decent way to handle it. Because of course, it's a little scary when you have people, you have a third party who who would basically rate these these uh, these news items and news sites. And it'd be easy to get your bias in there, but Steve, oh, yeah. isn't it true? And what, but what they're really doing is they're getting the real low hanging yeah, yeah, fruit, yeah, yeah. the stuff that everybody, everybody would agree. Not everybody, well, but every reasonable yeah, person. Every right. reasonable person. Okay, would, that, would yeah, that's the standard. A reasonable person, yeah. like like Hillary Clinton is a reptile. The stuff's like, well, right, no, right. This, this is uh, the Obama well, birther thing. Probably not true. That hey, would qualify. We heard as that Hillary Clinton that was part of a sex ring. Yeah, remember that. That, that was very that was, recent. Was that Pizzagate? Was that Pizzagate? Yeah, yeah. Pizzagate. A, not just a sex ring, yeah. like a child sex ring. Yeah, it's yeah. like really. What's your evidence for that? Yeah, I mean, right. Let's, it's, or it's, like, yeah. like the Pope extra- endorsed Donald it, Trump, right? right. That's the one that was that gets used. Right. So, so it's like, point, yeah, that's demonstrably false. It should not be spread as real news. Right, right. And you know, there's no reason right. they have Facebook is under no obligation to to promote stuff and spread it when they can easily determine that it's false. And of course, you know, the, what's funny is that the, a lot of people from the right, like the hard right, the right wing, are complaining about this bitterly, you know. It's like, really, why are you guys so why especially they, worried yeah. about this? I don't know. They um, shouldn't be. Well, they claim, oh, faith, this is just, the liberals are going to use this in order to promote their liberal agenda. But that's, it's just so knee-jerk. Oh. You could say that about say, any right, anything, quality control. Anything. Any attempt yeah. to impose any kind of editorial quality control. And of course, they want the Wild West, Right. Yeah. Oh, sure, yeah. If, if you're trying to spread misinformation, you don't want quality control. Of course. And somebody here, Robert, is saying that it won't be specifically labeled as fake. Uh, he says that it would be labeled as disputed by a third party, mm-hmm. uh, which, yeah, which sounds... Which, which is, is fine. Which is which a fair makes, way to, yeah. to label but it. But also, sure. the other thing is, some people liken this to censorship. They're not censoring anything. They're not There's scrubbing no it from your web, website. It's that you know their platform can decide how... 
to meet the needs of its users, right? They're saying, you, are, you want to be fed news in your feed. We're going to feed you the news that you want. But how do you determine that? Well, there's a number of different ways that you could determine that. Popularity is just one way. Sure. People probably also want to be fed quality news. Mm -hmm. They probably want to be fed news about stuff that's real. And, and if you ask, if you ask, do you want to be fed news that the people who are feeding it to you know that it's not true? Wouldn't most people say, no, I don't want to be fed fake stuff that people are feeding me knowingly that it's fake? So that's all Facebook is doing. It's saying, hey, if we know shit is fake, we're not going to promote it in our feed. That's fine. That's not censorship. That's them, you know, use, adding a little bit of editorial quality to their algorithm, which is fine. Yeah, I mean, imagine if we talked about fake news as it were real, just to get people listening to our show. I yeah. mean, like we we could we, you know, we could do that if we wanted to, but we could also not do it if we don't want to. Yeah, we're it's not, it's not it. just fake news. We have editorial sensational news, or it's sensationalizing yeah. real news, and that's actually, I think, almost a bigger problem. Or I don't know if you can even calculate it, but it's a huge problem on the internet. It's just the over you know, sensationalizing of regular news items that don't need to be embellished. Yeah. That, that you know, catchy headlines. In, you know, uh, misleading imagery that goes along with it. There are there are huge outlets on Facebook that do it to science news. Well, everyone, we have to take a quick break from our live show to talk about our sponsor this week. We have a new sponsor, Blue Apron. So this is a company that has a meal prepared, except it's not cooked, and they ship you the ingredients to your door, and it makes it really, really easy to have a home-cooked meal. It's like you went shopping and you only got the ingredients and the amount of the ingredients that you need to make that specific meal. I think this is a fantastic idea. Yeah, it really helps people uh, cook at home. It's cheaper than going out to a restaurant. You get you know gourmet recipes, just the right amount of ingredients delivered right to your home. Uh, it's very convenient, and it makes a lot of sense for busy families who still want to have a, a nice home-cooked meal. And also, Blue Apron can be delivered to 99% of the continental U.S. Some of the featured upcoming meals they have, they have a spicy shrimp and Korean rice cakes with cabbage and furikake. Is that how you pronounce that? <laughs> hey, watch out. Pork chops and garlic piccata with scallion rice and spinach, mushroom and chipotle pepper, enchiladas with lime sour cream. So these are, yeah, this is not your standard meatloaf. And the cost is less than $10 per person for an awesome home-cooked meal versus, you know, restaurant. I mean, McDonald's can cost 10 bucks. You get to choose from a variety of new recipes each week, or you could let Blue Apron's culinary team surprise you. You can customize your recipes each week based on your preferences. Blue Apron has several delivery options, so you can choose the delivery option that fits your needs. And there's no weekly commitment. So check out this week's menu and get your first three meals for free with free shipping by going to blueapron.com slash SGU. That's blueapron.com slash SGU. All right, guys, let's get back to our live show. All right, we got this from one of our listeners in terms of Skeptical Hero of the Year, so I'm just going to read it. Uh, Michael Marshall of the Merseyside Skeptics yeah, uh, Society that. and the Good Thinking Society deserves a tip of the hat. In the very least, he's been doing fantastic skeptical work for many years, including his podcast, Skeptics with a K, and Be Reasonable, and it seems like it's only ramped up in intensity since joining the Good Thinking Society. Primarily, I think his work in calling attention to homeopathy funding through the National Health Service deserves the most attention. Uh, certain sections of the NHS, including NHS Liverpool and uh, Wirral, W-I-R-R-A-L, I'm not sure how to pronounce that, have ceased funding homeopathy due to the, to the tireless work from good thinking. This campaign has also helped to raise awareness of other issues that coincide, such as homeopathic funding for veterinary services. So absolutely, 
these are basically our British counterparts, right? The Good Thinking Society uh, and the, the various skeptical organizations there. But they've specifically been taking aim at uh, the National Health Service funding of homeopathy and making it available in certain places through, through, um, through hospitals, homeopathic hospitals. And they've been doing a great job of systematically shutting it down. You know, the, go the government shouldn't be paying for pseudoscience, demonstrable pseudoscience. Yeah, those guys have been doing good work for a number of years now. Well, I would like, I'd definitely like to mention David Young again. Yeah, David mm -hmm. Young, David is Hong a, Kong skeptic. Yeah, a, a skeptic in Hong Kong who uh, essentially started a skeptical movement, the modern skeptical movement in Hong Kong, and had has done a fantastic job over the past few years rallying and, you know, creating, uh, you know, skeptically, uh, you know, drinking skeptically and yeah. a lot of events like that, bringing in speakers and, and starting skepticism in a country that... Just is very anti-science and anti-anti-truth. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he had a huge uphill battle. Yeah. Yeah. So, thank you, David, for doing such a, a fantastic job. And uh, you know, we, you know, da unfortunately, David is uh, suffering right now. He has a uh, ALS, right? Yeah, ALS. Yeah. And uh, you know, it's 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 very hard for him to deal with, but he's still staying active still and still away. still doing yeah. what he's got to do. Uh, I'll throw uh, one out as well for our international skeptics out there, um, Ishil and Unate. We know them as our uh, friends who are the Turkish skeptics. Mm -hmm. They run this Turkish skeptical website, Yalanasavar. That's Y-A-L-A-N-A-S-A-V-A-R. You guys can look that up. Turkey is another country in which you, there are yeah. these inherent obstacles, shall we say, in the way of doing good skeptical work that uh, we in America and other other uh, North American and European countries, we don't have these same sort of uh, yeah. oppressions that we have to deal with, and uh, they continue to do a fine and fantastic job, and I believe that they deserve mention. Yeah, it's a, it's a good point, Evan. I also want to mention that um, in India, the rationalists are literally being hunted and killed. Yeah. Now, we deal with a lot here, but no one is hunting and hacking us up with machetes. Right. Uh, so, obviously, um, some some have had to flee the country, you know, uh, for just for their lives, uh, which is horrible. I mean, there are little, literally roving bands of people who are attacking rationalists in India because for blasphemy or whatever they think their crime is. And just five or six people have been murdered in the last few years just just because you know they're atheists or rationalists. Yeah, I mean, look at what happened yeah. to um, Sanal. Sanal, yeah, had to sure, flee. Yeah, Sanal, yeah we've talked to Sanal a few up. times on the show. My more sublime moments. I th kind of think that we're engaged in uh, a, a struggle within human civilization, you know, for the soul of humanity. We are actually trying to push the ball forward a little bit in terms of appreciation for science and critical thinking and rationality. And there's a lot of people pushing the other way, you know. <laughs> so we've had a couple of people ask about the status of the lawsuit. The lawsuit, and I was planning on giving an update mm -hmm. on that. So. For quick background, a couple of years ago, I uh, and the SGU and actually some other people were sued by uh, one Dr. Tobinick because of an article I wrote on science-based medicine, essentially saying that the scientific evidence uh, did not support the clinical claims that were being made for a specific treatment, uh, uh, drug treatment for Alzheimer's disease. And um, he sued me for that, but, you know, claiming that that was uh, interference with his business and also defamation. There is some updates on this case. So I did win the case in summary judgment, which means mm -hmm. uh, at some point, you know, the, the judge decided um, that the that he had no case, he had no chance of winning, that no reasonable jury 
would you know decide that that he won and there was no other information that could come forward that would change that decision so that's what a summary judgment is um so that was great uh we also without getting into the technical legal details under a, a couple of provisions uh, asked to get some of our uh legal fees back the judge basically decided that we were um that we should get fees that would add up to about half of our total expenses in the case which is good i mean again I'd, be nice if we got everything. I think we deserve everything, but um, you know, you take what you can get. But here's the thing: uh, Tobinick has appealed both of those decisions, so uh, we are in the middle of the appeal for both of them. So that could drag it out for a long time. You know, it could be a year, it could be longer. You know, before those appeals are um, are resolved. So that's where we are with the case. I've won those two big decisions. He's just, he decided to appeal them. I don't think he has a case on appeal. I think he's just my opinion as he's just trying to drag this out, drag me through it as much as he possibly can. But um, yeah, so it could be another year or two. Who knows? You know, before this is totally resolved. But it's at least going well uh, in terms of the judge's decision so far. All right, jackass of the year. <laughs> well, maybe. Well, hey. Yeah, let me let me yeah. preface this so. <laughs> We, are, you know, this show is about science and critical thinking and skepticism. We're not a political show. Uh, we don't talk about purely political topics. But of course, there's a lot of politics involved with the institutions of science. And we will talk about any issue, whether it's social or religious or political or whatever, if there is a critical thinking or scientific angle. That's basically our editorial policy. We don't begrudge other people to do whatever they want to do. That's what we do. However, there's one person this year that we all agreed was really the only person by a long shot that we could award skeptical jackass of the year. This is somebody who, first of all, is anti-vaccine. They've been anti-vaccine for about 10 years, as far as I could tell on the record. They've been corrected publicly about this many times, but they've chosen not to listen to scientists, not to listen to experts. They still promote the idea, not just believe, but they promote the idea publicly that the monster shot or the you know too many vaccines too soon is, ca- is causing autism, causing problems. This is somebody who is also global warming denier. They think that global warming is a Chinese hoax. Again, doesn't... <laughs> I think that one gave it away right yeah, now. Yeah, right. I, I think everyone knows who we're talking about. They doesn't think, doesn't listen to scientists, doesn't listen to experts. They think that, you know, it's a big conspiracy. Uh, this is someone who has decidedly been, you know, has not really cared about saying things that are true or accurate or factual. They will just lie. They and when know. they're called on the lie, they'll go, nope, that's not, just, I'm going to, you know, as <laughs> Adam Savage says, I reject your reality and substitute my own. That's basically his day to day, right? That's what, that's there what he does. What else? He appears to buy into pretty much any conspiracy theory that is floated on Infowars by Alex Jones. I mean, literally, even Alex Jones is like, hey, I say something, and then two days later, he's tweeting it, you know? But he won't believe the CIA. Yeah, the CIA can't be trusted. Alex Jones, though, he has the inside track to the truth. So he believes in the dumbest conspiracy theories over the intelligence community. Um, okay, obviously, obviously I'm talking about Donald Trump. The president-elect? The president-elect. Now clearly, this is not about, this is not about right, left, you know, Democrat, Republican. We're not a bunch of liberals up here convetching about Trump. It's not about that. Honestly, it's not true. We are, we're talking about Trump because of his utter disdain for the truth. Obviously, it's, he's not alone in that. 
But I, and a lot of people make what I consider to be the false equivalency mm-hmm. argument. Well, all politicians lie and they're all, no, no. He's on a different level. I mean, this is an order of magnitude <laughs> different. It's, you can't just brush it off as like they, yeah, I know. I don't, I don't trust anything a politician says, but that's different than, you know, spinning versus just out and out lying and denying the truth. Well, he was a birther as well, you know. He, just, he was a birther. Yeah, again, he another just crazy shows conspiracy over and theory. over again. You know, that's the thing. Like, you know, I think it's very important to reiterate. We're not talking about politics and we're not talking about the fact that he belongs to one, you know, you know, one side of the fence or yeah. the other. It's just, this is who the guy is. Yeah. It doesn't. It actually he's doesn't matter theorist. what if he's got an R or a D next to his name is absolutely irrelevant. And he is the kind of person you know. We've been. I've been anti-Trump way before he ever said he was going to run for president. I, yeah. I, this guy's done a lot of things. I've never liked him. I give always him to, thought that he give, was given the time was anti-science. So you know, we are going to talk about him on the show, but it's going to be when he crosses swords with science. Yeah. He's yeah. anti-science and anti-intellectual right. and a conspiracy theorist. So other than that. Yeah. Oh yeah, I agree. And you know, so let's talk about his cabinet picks for a little bit. This is a good one. He appoint he has uh, appointed Jim O'Neill to head the the FDA. O'Neill has said we should reform the FDA so there is approving drugs after their sponsors have demonstrated safety and let people start using them at their own risk, but not much risk of safety. Let's prove efficacy after they have been legalized. Uh, so basically, wow. he thinks he did the. Trump put in charge of the FDA, or is pointing to be put in charge of the FDA, someone who doesn't think the FDA should be testing drugs to see if they work or not. Let the free market decide if they work. That's ridiculous. It's also, we know that that doesn't work. It's not like we have to guess about what would happen. That's the point. We know that that doesn't work. We have the supplement industry to tell us what happens when you don't require evidence for efficacy. You get flooded with crap that doesn't work. That's what happens. Mm-hmm. The free market doesn't sort it out because, you know, it, as an individual, like if you take a medicine that decreases your heart attack risk by 20%, how do you know? You don't know that anecdotally. You can't tell. You, it takes really rigorous, careful science, science, science. to know oh if statistically God. if something has efficacy or not. He really said that? Yeah, sure. Yeah, it's bad. Yes. Well, oh, oh, come on. He's putting in charge of the FDA, somebody who doesn't believe in the mission of the FDA, putting in charge of... Uh, the energy department. Somebody who thinks that we should shut down the energy department. That's putting the in charge of the EPA. Somebody who does not believe in global warming. He, so this is the pattern that we're seeing on these well, the scientific the EPA issues. guy. Actually, has been suing the EPA, right? Yeah, suing the EPA. I don't understand. I just don't understand that decision at all. Now I know some people think that this is all anti-regulation. So there are people on the right who think the great, you know, the government overreaches and they're going to pull it back. You know, oh, this overreach of so there's too much regulation. Again, I get that. I understand that politically, ideologically, that there's that position. But I don't think that's what Trump is doing. I think that these appointments are largely um, reflect the fact that he's anti-science, anti-intellectual. He's just, he doesn't know. Yeah, he's a, you know, at the very least, you have to conclude that he is not taking the consensus opinion of scientists or experts nope. into consideration. He's ignoring them. On these issues. You know, and of course, we, we want whoever the president is and the people that work for, for the president, we want those people to be science-minded. We want Absolutely. them to be literate in science and understand. Yeah. Right. And, and at a time when education is paramount, science education is paramount. When we were at TAM, God, what are we going back, four or five years now, and Neil deGrasse Tyson was talking and he was showing if the if the... The, the primary, uh, the, you know, the countries in the world that are leading in education as, a, as, a, as an example, right? If they were balloons, 
And they would, you know, inflate if they're having high education and uh-huh. deflate if they have low education. The United States was tiny. You look at China and you look at the UK and there's other, other areas in Europe and, you know, the countries are huge in, in what they're doing about education. And the United States is, is smaller now than it was 20 years ago. We're on the decline. Our education standards are going down. The amount of people getting educated per capita is going down. Higher education. Right. Quality education. Right. And science is, is one of those, is one of the things that when people study it and apply it, it advances the, the country they live in, it advances the global economy. It's a healthy right. thing for humans to do. Absolutely. Yeah, yes. And, I mean, and science is critically important for politics. Of mm-hmm. course, it's different from politics, but it informs politics in a very critical, very important way. And I mean, look at Kerry. Earlier this year, you talked about, um, the candidates. They were polled specifically about science. And if I'm remembering correctly, Trump's replies were by far the worst, the worst scientific Scored answers 7% to, to those qu- than anybody. High. Nobody was close to him in terms of how pathetic his answers were to those, those main science questions. This does get back to the Facebook discussion a little bit, is that in a democracy, you need a well-informed public, right? Yep. I mean, but by definition. And scientific issues are obviously critically important to society, to civilization. So we need a, we need a public who is well informed on factual issues, on scientific issues. And unfortunately, we we don't have that. We are now living in a world of overwhelmed with misinformation. Mm-hmm. And I I do think to some extent, you know, Trump rode a wave of misinformation into the White House. You know, he embraced it. He he magnified it. You know, and that's. It's possible that he did more damage just to the system than to than in terms of like policy damage that he's going to do. You know what I mean? It makes what we're doing, what other skeptic groups, what other science groups in the country and around the world, their efforts even more important than ever. And that's not the time to either roll over or, yeah. or be lax about this. We have to work harder in order to compensate for these issues that are inevitably going to be coming yeah. up. And this has been coming, you know. We- but I think we also have to be very careful to look at this positively and look at it as an opportunity for us to continue to do the work that we're doing as skeptics, as science communicators, and just understand that I don't think anything has really changed too much with regard to the public. I think that a lot of what has changed is that public officials, maybe I should say, uh, certain public officials are just feel like they don't need to be as savvy about pushing through these alternate, like alternative reality agendas. You know, I think in the past, this still happened. I think people were just a little bit better at, at spinning. And now that they've realized they don't have to spin as much because according to the last election and according to a lot of um, attempts at public policy, they're finding that creating your own narrative seems to work. And so I think that the biggest change that's occurred is kind of necessitating that we as science communicators and we as you know individuals who are watching this stream right now, just people who care about science and who care about the truth, become much more vigilant about pointing out non-truth than we had to in the past because it's no longer masquerading. Now it's much more overt. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, I think it's also, you know, I do think a lot about the effect of social media and the web and the internet on this. And what it's the what seems to be happening is that people are getting into progressively isolated bubbles of reality, bubbles of information. It's like a, it's a positive feedback loop, right? If you watch 
a, a news program that has a certain extreme political editorial policy, then that becomes your truth. And then when you hear other opinions, well, those guys that disagree with you, that's fake news, right? Those guys are lying. They're not telling the whole story. And so then you get even more isolated in your bubble because that's the only one that's telling the truth. And then, of course, you just drift farther and farther apart. I try to be as ideologically neutral as I can be and just try to be as rational as I can be. So it's fun for me because I have people in my life who are at the full ends of the spectrum, right? I have people in my life that are as far right as you can get and as far left as you can get. And I love hearing them talk because they're so in their own bubbles. It is amazing. Yeah. And of course, you know, if I'm, you know, taking a position that's in the middle, um, then I'm a horrible leftist to one side and a, and a horrible conservative <laughs> to the other at the same time, you know. But people who are close Next. to Steve know that he's basically just an asshole. Yeah, it's just, um, <laughs> that's what it comes down to. Um, well, which is a lot, unfortunately, a lot of people think that, you know, and it is, people get, I mean, they think that if you disagree with them factually, you're being mean. That's, yeah. that's yeah. mean. No, that's the truth. I'm just giving you facts. I'm not being mean. It's not, I mean, I can't, they, that is very, very frustrating. It's like, oh, you people are being rude or mean. Like, no, this is just yeah. I mean, reality. The, I, I hear this a lot. Because it, it is also how we deliver it, right? And this is a, just a general message to, to skeptics. And we have to try to speak to people in a nice way, right? It's so yeah. easy to, yeah. to get on some type of high horse and, and come off like you're, you know, like you're, like you know better and they're stupid because they don't know. And it's our job to whack that back yeah, as right. much as possible. Try to put yourself in their position. Sure. But I also think that the biggest problem that we're facing right now is that there's a fundamental distrust in how we define what truth is. Mm -hmm. I think that the scientific method is accurate, it's adequate, it works, it's foundational. But for some reason, we are moving farther and farther away from the core trust that the public has in the, the teachings and the understandings of science. And it worries me when we see ideological pushes against education and we see d ideological pushes against knowledge. You know, um, it, I don't understand how it got to be the case that the rhetoric among certain groups is that going to college isn't for everybody yeah. or that getting higher education is somehow a liberal bias like that to me blows my mind right in texas critical thinking apparently is a liberal agenda yeah critical like that's thinking. a term yeah. that liberals try not to use yeah. when they're talking to the board of education because they worry that it's going to kind of be a, a scarlet letter. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like if they say critical thinking, then all of a sudden you're not going to listen to anything else I have to say. Cause I'm, you know, I'm, right. I'm a pedantic liberal. Yeah, that's like being against high, good hygiene. Yeah. Right. It's like, why would you want to be hygienic? Yeah. Right. Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, people <laughs> ask me, what's the solution to all this? Obviously, you know, scientific literacy, critical thinking, education, you know, making, again, we need a well-informed, literate society, right? But obviously that's a generational struggle. That's an endless struggle. It's not like we're going to fix the problem by doing that in any kind of short order. I do think we do need to think very carefully about how information is flowing through our society, which is why I applaud Facebook for at least experimenting with a way of pulling back the reins a little bit on fake news. And that's also why Donald Trump had to get my vote, because I do feel like the difference, <clears throat> what happened this year was, yeah, we, people have always, you know, used misinformation and spin and whatever in order to, to advance their agenda. But I felt like 
you know, Trump's approach was fundamentally different in that he just gave up or just didn't even try to even give the appearance of trying to be accurate. It's like, you know, I'm not just going to give my spin on the truth. Truth doesn't matter. Yeah. I just, here's my narrative. And just forget about what you think is true. I'm just going to say it, and we're going to stick to my guns. I don't care what the facts are. Truth doesn't even matter. And it did take it to a new level. Here's a great example of that, Steve. You just said, that's why Donald Trump gets my vote. If I were (laughs) not a good reporter, I would forget to put in brackets for skeptical jackass Jackass of of the the year. year. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) Okay, let's move on to uh, In Memoriam, where we, we... remember all the people that we lost in 2016. We don't name all the celebrities. You'll hear about that elsewhere. We're just going to name, we typically name uh, scientists, intellectuals, skeptics, people we like, you know, Uh, kind of a vague category, but we don't just do straight up um, celebrities. So the most recent person, of course, was John Glenn. We just talked about him on the show last week, Mm -hmm. show that just actually just went up today. Read his biography if you haven't the guy led an amazing life. Oh, he, yeah. he succeeded at, at pretty much everything he tried to succeed I don't know, at. Is he like a modern renaissance man? In a yeah, sense. Because yeah. there are very few people, I think, in the 20th and 21st century can really give that moniker to. He might mm-hmm. be one. Yeah. Uh, another astronaut died this year, I should remember. Edgar Mitchell. Edgar Mitchell. Yep. Nice. He lost Edgar Mitchell this year. Yep. Uh, a couple of journalists, uh, very recently, Gwen Ifill, uh, NPR. Eiffel. She was, uh, you know, that was a surprise because she was sick and didn't, she had cancer, didn't tell any, did the public. Right, kept it. And she kept working right up to the end. You know, she, in fact, moderated one, was it one of the VP debates? Yeah. So, and she's, you know, a trailblazer as yeah. a, as a, a female journalist. Uh, also just somebody that I watched a lot because she did a great job, very, very yeah. high quality. Standard on PBS. Yeah. Um, Morley Safer. Morley Safer. Died this year as well. Yeah. One that's, the, the one actor I want to mention is Gene Wilder, only because he's, you know, was in so many movies that were very, I think, close to us when we were younger. That Definitely our generation. Yeah, just for our generation. Sure. Blazing Saddles, Saddles Frank Frankenstein, Willy Wonka. The producers. Yeah. The producers. Yeah. He, he, Willy Wonka was, though, I think. I think his role in Willy Wonka yeah. was his signature role. Yeah. That, oh, sure. Yeah. yeah. It's, and the, the remake, was just terrible in my opinion. Because, <laughs> it was, partly yeah. because it just failed in comparison to yeah. Gene Wilder. If you're going to redo a remake, he it has nailed to be, that character. Be mm-hmm. Yeah. It was like yeah. that, you know, that, that movie didn't need to be remade. If you're going to remake it, you've got to really think carefully about how you're going to move on from Gene Wilder's performance because it was so good. Yeah, right. Um, right. And it just failed. It failed in my opinion. But Agreed. Kenny Baker. Do you guys know who Kenny Baker yeah. is? R2D2. R2D2. R2, yeah. He's, that guy, you know, anybody that was on all of this, those sets, Star Wars 4, 5, and 6, um, I do believe he was involved. In the first, in, in, in 1, 2, and 3, one, three, and three as well. Right, and then yep. he was on 7. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. yeah. Yep. He was also one of the Time Bandits. Yeah, he was. Which was he the one that says 4 foot 1? No, no, he's not the one who says 4 No, he's not the one who says 4 foot 1. That movie. Another actor was Alan Rickman. Snape. Yes. Snape. Oh, my God. Alan Rickman. Yeah, he, was also re- he was great in everything he did. I, I know. He was just an awesome actor. The first time I saw him was in uh, with... Robin Hood? No. No, 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 no. no, no. Yes, Robin Hood was one of the movie. 
Uh, with, with Ben Affleck, McLean, and, uh, McLean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. The, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Die Hard, Die Hard. Die Hard. Yes, Die I remember. Hard I remember. Guy. He was awesome. Absolutely that. loving him in yes. that movie. He played such a, a, a powerful villain. Yes, yes. He's good. Unforgettable villain. He was fantastic. Shoot it, the glass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you know the key to playing a villain is it can't be a, a one trick pony. A villain can't be a, a mustache twister. A villain has to have real things yeah. going on, and he yeah. conveyed that in that character right. so well. He also was awesome. In Galaxy Quest, by the way. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Galaxy yes. Quest. He was very good. Yeah. Doctor Heimlich, the guy. Doctor Heimlich. Yeah. Yes. Very the recently, we talked about him earlier this year because there was a story where a woman in a nursing home was choking, and this like ninety-something-year-old fellow resident, resident, fellow yeah. resident, did the Heimlich maneuver on her and saved her life, and it was Doctor Heimlich. That's yes. like yes. <laughs> your old doctor. Wait, who wait. He died. Wait, wait. The Heimlich wow. maneuver was performed on Heimlich. Or no, no, he performed, he performed, it. It. performed it. That's what I he thought did. I read. Right. So it was the first time he actually did his. It own was the first time he did it. Who was that? Joke my maneuver like, saved you. My maneuver saved you. Who did this? The me maneuver. Right? I did the me maneuver. When they were saying like the fact that it's called the maneuver is really funny. It's a maneuver. You know, like, <laughs> <laughs> that would be awesome to have a maneuver na- yes. named after you. No matter what kind of maneuver. Like Bruce Wayne must maneuver. have a maneuver, right? Some type of maneuver because of all the stuff he did. Right. But he got, he got to do yeah. it. He got to do it before he died. Yeah. Awesome. And he just passed just a yeah. few hours ago at 96 years yeah. old. Good for him. Just wow. a few hours ago. Yeah. 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 I mean, good for him for what he did for him. 96, right. 96. That's you a know, nice 96 run. is a great age. I, I think anyone would yeah. sign up for 96. A lot of our listeners I'll take that. David yeah. Bowie. As we say, that's a good run, but yeah. David, David Bowie, Bowie is a good mention. I don't know if David Bowie was science-minded or, ske- yeah. or skeptical. Like I, don't, I don't think Prince was, yeah. but that's just my gut talking. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. it's always, this is where I get, I, I tread very carefully into finding out real details about famous people that I happen to like. Because that's what? They're going to disappoint you. That's right. You will be disappointed more often, I think. Than not when it comes to science, at least. Yeah, yeah. Muhammad Ali. Yeah. Muhammad Ali. Yes. Which you know, I, I think you know, we don't talk a lot about sports stars on the SGU, but I think I mentioned at the time the thing about Muhammad Ali is that like he became famous for being a heavyweight, you know, boxing champion in a way that no one else ever will after him. You know what I mean? Yeah. He transcended the sport. Yeah, he transcended really. it. It's like Harry Houdini to magic. There's never going to be another Harry. Right. Right. Bruce Lee to kung fu. Right. Muhammad Ali to boxing. Yeah, you reached right. that sort of legendary status. Right. At one point, he was the most recognizable person on, on the, the planet. planet. On yeah. the planet. That's an achievement. Yeah. That's an achievement. Yeah, but yeah, from, from, from the, you know, an athletic background to do that. I mean, he was thought of as a philosopher, too. I mean, he, he said a lot of profound things. Objector. Yeah. He, right. he was sent in for political maneuvering as well, like to help with, uh, convince people of things. You know, I was, I read his biography. I don't remember all the details now, but very, very interesting guy. Uh, on the surface, he was just a boxer, but when you do a deep dive, he got involved in a lot of things. Uh, Parkinson's. What do you read, Steve? <laughs> no, so it's a, it's a joke. Like you, you want to live so long that when you die, nobody asks how. <laughs> right, yeah, good point. Awesome, I love it. Yeah, I love point. it. It's like, yeah, he was 96. He died of being 96. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Cause, cause of death, age. Yeah. <laughs> or they just put your age in there. Cause Cent- of death, Cent- Cause of death, century. All right, a couple more. Ray Tomlinson. This is an Ray obscure Tomlinson. one now. Invented email. <laughs> Whoa. Yes. Basically the modern, you know, what yeah. we now use as email, the format and everything, he basically came up with that. 
So think about that. That's a forgotten superhero sign. Yeah, yeah. Is. you should do that one. Do I that thought, one you know, the, email. I, I, email. Lo- I loved zooming out and going. Somebody was sitting there and said, "Wow, we, we're connecting these computers like through these networks that can talk to each other. We need some type of system where you can send people messages." And email came out of that yeah. thinking, and that's profound because you know today email is like one of our pro- one of the primary ways to send information from one person to another. But not, but not. As much as it used to be, though. Remember, emails right. were it, yeah. but yeah. now oh, gosh, it's, a, it's yes. texting. I, I mean, texting. Yeah, but you email use still has different a things. It definitely still has a role, but it, it's it's not. It still at has the, a role. It's not I mean, at email the apex is completely critical. critical. It's, it's critical. critical. We text each other more yes. nonsense-based stuff. Emails, emails, more formal, and you could send documentation. And you can do you can sure. Do more with it. I ag- I agree, but it's it's not the go-to communication device it used to be. I used to hate texting. Texting you guys took a texting? chunk of that away. I never, I, still I, hate never I didn't see the allure when it, when, you know, 10, 10, 12 years ago. It sounds like, really? like you're saying I hate Texans. No, texting. 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 <laughs> I have a funny story. So we love Texans. We love Texans. Uh, Marvin Minsky. Love yeah, Marvin's oh, Minsky. yeah, that sucked. Oh, yeah. Mm. That, was, yeah. that was a big one for the skeptical he movement. Fa- I would considered the father of artificial intelligence. Yeah. In many we met ways. him. Yeah, yes. Met him. So, you met and him. I ran into him at the urinal in a bathroom once. Is he okay? I'll say no more. <laughs> and then last on the list is Robert Todd Carroll from the Skeptic Skeptics Dictionary, Dictionary oh, which I yeah. still use, I use Great every resource. week. I go every week to that. Yeah. Excellent resource. To that resource. Thank goodness for him. It's time for Science or Fiction. Every week I come up with... Three science news items, two real and one fake, and you have to figure out which one is the fake. Uh, before we go to the items that I have selected for this week, we're going to talk about your statistics for the year. Oh, shit. Uh-oh. So, I don't even know what they are. Yeah. I didn't look at any emails. Uh-oh. Uh, and, um, yeah, so David Board did all the number crunching for us. And uh, multiple people did. Jonathan Tyndall did. Yeah, we, as multiple well. people did. So, yeah, thanks Some to nice, everybody. Nice graphics who and us, things too. That they put in there. These are the ones who came in first, and then I added the ones that just went up today. So I just very just so the ones from this You're week. Sweet. <laughs> You're sweet. <laughs> I had you to had to add the sweep. sweep in there. All right. Yeah. None of us got the last. <laughs> one. So who do you think has the highest percentage? Kara. Kara. Like Jay or Kara? No, no, no. I think I was really bad this year. I do. <laughs> Because I only played twice and I won them both. <laughs> so I have 100%. That count. That's right. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> All right, not including me. So Kara does indeed have the highest percentage. Congratulations, All right. Kara. Kara. You're awesome. 60, really? 63.8%. That's high. Out of 47 games, 30 wins, 17 <laughs> that, losses. No, in the 60s is good. It's really good. Yeah, that's good. Is good. I'm so happy. Yeah, good for you, asshole. <laughs> Very good. Two, who is second? <laughs> Who is second I, this year? I'd say maybe Jay. Um, Evan, I think that would be Evan. Holy you've yeah. had by Evan. far, by far your best year. Good yeah, job, this man. is my. This oh was my a, god! Yeah. I knew I was having a good year. I didn't know how good. Sixty-three point zero percent. So just a damn hair fine. behind Kara. Oh. One one win behind Kara. Kara. Wow. Kara, high five me up there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, and then Jay at sixty point eight percent. I beat you Bob. Cracked sixty. What? Awesome. Two years in Wait, a row. I'm last. Twenty-eight wins, eighteen losses. And then oh, pulling up the rear for the first time in 12 years is Bob at 52%. That's the lowest you've ever had, Bob. 52%, 27 wins, 24 losses. 
Bob, you ever heard of the well, law of averages? <laughs> we knew you were having a bad year. I didn't know. These two jamokes beat me. Holy crap. <laughs> Thanks <laughs> a lot, Bob. Time. You know, hey, why don't you say, hey, good job, Kara. Good job, no, Evan. Good job, guys. That's good work, Jay. I'll get you, you next know. year. So. Guys, congratulations. You guys did well. You know what? I got to tell you. I, I, You know what I love after we've been doing this coming up on 12 years? This spring will be 12 years. We all still, and Kara, you, I know you've only been in a year, but you, you fit right in with this. We are actually a little bit competitive with each other during this segment, and it, I always appreciate that because we care about our ability to discern what the truth is, right? It's part, that's the exercise here is to try to weave, you know, I'm going to use everything that I know and try to figure out what's true and what's not true here. That's, that's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. That we still care. Yeah. You know, we didn't get bored of it yet. No, gosh, no. So I also think this is a good example of like why we need data and statistics because based on emotion, I assumed that my percentage was like 25%. Mm -hmm. It's such a bummer when you lose. And I feel like I lose week after week after week. <laughs> so it's nice to actually see the statistics. So one of our, one of the people on Facebook said there was a year that, that I, Jay, did worse than chance. <laughs> oh, chance. yeah. Yeah. That, that's. <laughs> That's that's my awesome. low bar. If I do worse than chance, I know um, something's wrong. If I beat chance, okay, I can live with that. So I swept you guys six times through the year. You okay. swept me nine times. Yeah, Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. we really did kick your ass this year. Yeah, right. I think the sweeps. overall averages were higher this year than in previous years. Yeah. What I do on the year in review show is I pull three science <laughs> or news items from over the year. So I'm going to test your memory of items oh, that we covered previously. This gets harder every and year. And I may have flipped them. I may have turned a science no, into a fiction. Or, no. So just remem remembering it may not be enough. You may not remember if it was science no. or fiction. Okay, here we go. Yep. Item number one, a 2015 review of life cycle assessments of electric vehicles shows that overall they increase greenhouse gas emissions compared to gasoline vehicles. Item number two, scientists have developed tiny robots that can attach themselves to immobile sperm and swim them to the egg so they can participate in fertilization. And item number three, this goes back to LIGO, which we talked about earlier, astronomers now claim that LIGO's two black holes, which collided, generating the gravi gravitational waves, were likely both formed within the same star. Did you hear all those, Kara? Yeah, I heard them. Okay. Do you want to go first? The entire life cycle of an electric vehicle actually puts off more greenhouse gases than a traditional gas yeah, vehicle. So the, that would be... The battery, making the battery, you know... Yeah, every, making every, the battery, yeah, all, stuff. all of the stuff that goes into producing one, since there's no, like, used EVs. Well, there are, but they're yeah. only a few years old And this now. is a 2015 um, study, so obviously, and you know, that's when the data um, yeah. Yeah, was from. Yeah, and so part of that... That seems like there could be truth to that because it depends on where they're produced. You know, living in California, I know that most of our energy is maybe not most of it, but less of it's from coal than in some other parts of the country. So driving my EV here might actually be less intense than somewhere else in the country. But um, on the aggregate, all of the EVs that are produced are probably still using a lot of coal power to produce them. Um, okay, the next one was that tiny robots could be attached to sperm to help fertilize an egg. Is yep, that correct? Help, no, help, yeah, it helps swim it to the egg. 
Yeah, to help swim it to an egg. I could see doing that. Sperm are, I mean, sperm are really small, but um, we've got nanobots, so I could see that being somewhat reasonable, especially motility seems to be a real issue with fertility. Um, so being able to get that sperm to the egg when otherwise it's viable, I think would be a cool thing. And then the final one, which I've now completely forgotten, what was that? Astronomers now claim that LIGO's two black holes, which collided, were likely both formed within the same star. Yeah, see, this one's getting me now because I don't know how reasonable that is. Two black holes. I mean, I usually assume that a star collapses, produces a black hole. These two black holes were far enough apart to be orbiting and then slowly collapse in on one another. So I would assume that would either have to be two separate stars or if it could be from the same star, are there multiple events? Like, is it possible that a star would collapse and like blow off or like eject some of its matter and then that matter would collapse following. I'm not sure if I've ever heard of a situation in which one star makes two black holes. So obviously that's probably science. Um, <laughs> I'm hoping that the the electric vehicle one is the fiction. I'm worried that this might be um, this might be me using my kind of emotional judgment over my kind of intellectual judgment. So gosh, only because I'm an EV advocate. And I do want to believe that it's better and doesn't put off. I don't know. I got to I got to say that that's the fiction because I don't know how making a lithium ion battery over the entire course of a vehicle could be less than all of the emissions that a vehicle puts off. So I'm going to say that the EV one is the fiction. Okay, Evan. Overall, the increased greenhouse gas emissions compared to gasoline vehicles. Yeah, this one. I don't re- recall though, Steve, if you reversed this one or if this is just an outright repeat of the one you did before. Uh, it was probably a reversal. Uh, but the other ones, um, the robots attaching them to themselves to immobile sperm and swimming to the egg. Yeah, tiny robots. Uh, we uh, talked about that in lots of different contexts. And this one, uh, sure, there's no problem there. Two black holes collided both, formed within the same star, I believe, also <coughs> is the science. It's the, uh, it, 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 I think it has to be the vehicles. One is going to be the fiction. Okay, Jay. All right, so the first one, now, does it say electric cars? All right, so the only thing I can think of is that right now we're not generating most of our electricity using solar panels, which means that our electricity is generated by burning coal, and that's bad. I could see that maybe a little, it could be worse than gas vehicles if there's a loss of energy. Now, with full-blown electric economy, like Kara and I are huge fans of, you know, this is not, this is obviously going to be the fiction, but let me move on because I'm, I'm not sure about that one. <laughs> now, what about the tiny robots attaching themselves to immobile sperm and swim to the egg? First of all, why would someone develop this? Because if the, the sperm are immobile, they're bad. There's something wrong with them, right? And if there's something wrong with them, why would you want them to fertilize an egg? So I just think that's kind of weird that you would actually, you know, and I don't even, I know that we have uh, nanomachines that can swim and do stuff like that, but how does the nanomachine receive orders from the sperm on which direction to go in? You know, is that by chemistry? I don't know. I, I just don't see how that could work. It just seems completely absurd to me. The whole thing seems utterly made up. Uh, and I don't know enough about astronomy to, to make a call on the third one. So I'll say that the sperm one is the fake. And Bob. Yeah, the electric vehicle one doesn't doesn't seem right to me. Um, and this is 2015. I mean, if you were saying 2008, 2005, I can kind of see that. But as of just last year, that would be horrible. Um, the robots and the sperm, I remember this. But, of course, I, I'm not confident about what the hell exactly happened with it. 
like Kara said, it could be uh, motility is the usual problem with fertility. So just because the little tail isn't whipping properly doesn't necessarily mean that the that the genes are bad. I, I so, hear you. I hear you. But I just, from my understanding, again, this is all based on our guts, that an immobile sperm has something wrong with it. Yeah, and the question is, is it just how it moves, or is it actually the genetic package that that it has as well? I don't, I don't know. I just don't remember what the the deal was with that. I, but there was something about that. The, the two black holes. Uh, I kind of remember this, and I think I would have immediately objected to this. I don't know if it was a certain potentially a certain type of star that was big enough that was spinning fast enough that could kind of kind of break apart and form two black holes. I, I just haven't come across that scenario much at all in, in all of my astronomical readings, but I think I've got a memory of of saying that that was not, I think I said it was false, and I think it, it might actually be true. I'm going to go with the electric vehicle and say that one is fiction. Jay went with the sperm. Uh, Everyone else went with the electric vehicles, which means you all agree that astronomers now claim that LIGO's two black holes which collided, were likely both formed within the same star. You all think that one is science. I think I got you on this, guys, last time, but this one is science. How, uh, is wow. It, yeah. Is it just the mass of the yeah, star? Yeah, so you're, you're right. Rotation? It was a large star that was rotating so fast, it basically separated into two globs, wow. and then they both collapsed okay. into separate black holes, which then spun around each other and collided. That's, and that's awesome. Yeah. That's fantastic. So let's go, we'll give you, I guess we'll just go back in reverse order. Scientists have developed tiny robots that can attach themselves to immobile sperm and swim them to the egg so they can participate in fertilization. Jay, you think this is the mm -hmm. fiction? I used to, yes. Everyone else thinks this one is science, <laughs> and this one is? Science. Science. It is science. Okay. So yeah, Bob, Bob is correct, Jay, in that. Um, yeah, just because the you sperm don't have to explain is immobile. I get it. Immobile doesn't uh, mean that the DNA is bad, right? Okay. <laughs> So that all means that a 2015 review of life cycle assessments of electric vehicles shows that overall they increase greenhouse gas emissions compared to gasoline vehicles. Is the fiction that was a science item that I flipped for this one. It was a flip. I, okay. It was okay. a flip, right. and I originally was, read it. It was that it showed it had less, you know, greenhouse gas emissions. And, you know, the discussion at the time that we had, it, de it there's a lot of variables in there. It depends where you're getting electricity from, how efficient mm -hmm. a, a gasoline car, how efficient an electric engine. But if you try to control for all those things, you, there's still a net gain in terms of reduction gotcha. of greenhouse gases from electric vehicles. Hopefully that only gets better as the electric right. vehicles get more efficient. Um, obviously, the battery technology has a lot to do with that, but so does where the electricity is coming from, right? If you're burning coal yeah. to make electricity to power your car, it's not as good, right. um, not as <coughs> advantageous. Yeah, that's a good but, point. But electric vehicles are just are just they're just more efficient. They're in terms of the gas, the miles per gallon equivalent. The electric vehicles are actually efficient. Oh yeah, yeah. Am I wrong though in in having read or remembering that I've read that the production is actually worse? Producing an electric car oh, yeah. takes more greenhouse yes. gas than producing a gas car. Yes, but that's the correct. lifetime balances that out. Yeah. So the 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 only reason why it's even a question is because when you're producing a giant lithium ion battery and then disposing of it, you know, at the end of its life cycle, um, is is where a lot of the negatives come in. Uh, and there's also other negatives in addition to the just carbon release. Uh, it's also, there's a lot of toxic stuff in there as well. Um, so yeah, definitely if we had, you know, uh, cheaper, better batteries, you know, more efficient, et cetera, that would massively shift this equation. 
Evan, do you have a quote to close out the year? I will close close out uh, this episode with a quote. It's a quote actually we uh, used before earlier in the year, but I liked it. It was um, it was the quote I used at uh, our live Dragon Con show. Which, I don't know if you remember, at the very tail end, we were like 10 minutes over. They were like basically getting the canes out to pull us off the stage. Yeah. So I kind of had to rush through it. I felt it was rushed. I'm going to give it again, not so rushed this okay. time. Good grief. If we can't laugh at ourselves and at one another in good spirit and without malice, then what fun can there be? If we must withhold all ribbing in the name of protecting everyone's feelings, then we truly are a toothless society. And that was said by George Takei, Sulu. The original Sulu himself. <laughs> oh, my. Oh, my. Excellent. Thank you, Evan. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks again for, to all of you for joining me this week. Thank, Thank you, you Doctor. Thanks, Doc. Until next week and next year, this is your Skeptic's Guide to the Universe. The Skeptic's Guide to the Universe is produced by SGU Productions, dedicated to promoting science and critical thinking. For more information on this and other episodes, please visit our website at theskepticsguide.org, where you will find the show notes as well as links to our blogs, videos, online forum, and other content. You can send us feedback or questions to info at theskepticsguide.org. Also, please consider supporting the SGU by visiting the store page on our website, where you will find merchandise, premium content, and subscription information. Our listeners are what make SGU possible. Uh-huh.